Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. It's your girl, Anna Roisman. And I'm a little unemployed. I had some jobs this week, Brian. Yeah? Yeah. Brian Russo on the mic. Yeah. How was that intro? Um, you, you did the, it's your girl after the fact. Yeah. Um, it's not your normal, natural intro. Oh, I'm but sorry. you're switching it up. I like that. I tried. You know, I try and always keep, keep you on your toes. Yeah. Because you edit this thing. I do. <laughs> How gonna, are you? I'm going to cut all this out. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah um, I'm, I'm a little tired, but, uh, you know. Well, you work weird hours. I work weird hours. Everyone uh, now probably knows yeah, that, you know, say, Brian works for Good Morning America, humble brag. Yeah, wah, 3 a.m. to 11 a.m., all yeah, that business. Just you and Michael Strahan fucking yeah, we're buds. shooting the shit. I know. One, Can you get me a job there one of these days? I would like to work there. What do you want to do? Host. Probably not. I will come in during the corona stuff. Like, I will literally, if they're like, no one can come in, they're going to have to like selfie, you know, host on their cell phones. Like, I will show up, I will come in full hair and makeup, you know, ready to host. Okay. Just keep it in mind. I'll I'll gently, uh, you know, Slide my headshot under a door. Exactly. Okay, cool. Because you're a broadcast engineer. Do you guys have anything to do with casting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They always ask the guy who fixes the camera, like, who should be the host. Okay. And, uh. You know, I always say Anna Roisman, but this time I think it'll One of it'll these stick. days it's going to work. You know it's going to happen, especially during the scare, you know? They're going to be like, who can do the job? Because all these people with money are going to be like, I'm not fucking getting sick. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, me, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'll lick a pole if you hire me today, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but... Uh, anyway, I won't lick a pole. A subway, you know, maybe. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I keep thinking about that right now. Like, I used to always play that game, like, would you rather... You ever play Would You Rather? I Yeah. You know, like, would you rather take a nap on the floor of a dirty subway or would you rather lick a pole outside on the street? Or, like, would you rather uh, do a podcast episode or talk about Would You Rather? Oh, my God. Wow. I feel like that you just turned into, like, my babysitter and that just got really dark. I'm just looking at the clock. Oh, come on. I'm having fun. You can edit all of that out. Edit out that I said I'd lick a pole for a job at Good Morning America. That's fine. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, I'm very excited about our episode today. He's one of my friends for a long time. Very funny comedian. I am blank right now on what to plug for him, but we're going to plug it all afterwards. Uh, He's doing more stand-up right now. Maybe you've seen him in a billion commercials. You're in 40,000 commercials. Um, Somewhere between 40,000 and 1 billion, yeah. 40,000, 1 billion, yeah. Super rich. He's just like sitting on a pound, a bag full of money right now. It's weird. That's so incorrect. (laughs) It's Dave Ebert. Hi. Hi, hi. I feel bad. I didn't properly plug. Is there something I can plug? Because we can, I can, Brian can edit this, but. Is there something you want me to plug? Because I didn't even ask that before we started and now I feel unprofessional. You know what? It's it's actually like people are like, what should I plug? And like, um, there's lots of things that I'm always working on. You've been in on. lots of shows, yeah. We, yeah, like if you want, oh, you know, you, you know what I like to plug uh, what? right now is that the rom-com I was in, uh-huh. Can You Keep a Secret, is on HBO right now. Oh my God. Hold um, on. You can see him in Can You Keep a Secret on HBO. Give it up for Dave Ebert. How's oh, that? Oh, thank you. How was that? How was that? That was great. Oh my God. The crowd is going wild. That was great. You know why I plug it is that um, I'm on screen for 12 minutes and probably eight minutes of those is my bare ass. Ooh. Um, He's doing porn. Borderline. Yeah. Your, okay. Does your family think you're 
you know, dabbling in porn. Uh, at you this know, point? honestly, I, I don't really just. My family thinks that I build houses for a living. They don't know what I do. <laughs> what? Um, they don't have a TV. Honestly, they don't. They're like off the grid, and they're very <laughs> proud of it. Like they're country folk. Got and, it. Um, uh, the, but the can you keep a secret thing, uh, the thing I love about it is that like, yes, I'm nude for a lot of it. Yeah. It's a movie that has Alexandra Daddario, who was in Baywatch, and it has Tyler Hecklin, who is Superman on the CW. Wow. Neither of them are nude. So if you're a horny Sexy teenager yeah. going to see this movie, there's only one <laughs> naked body you see, and it's mine. And this is too much information. You're like the Thank Kumail you. of the rom-com world, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd say that, um, except he's also doing rom-coms. Um, <laughs> he is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in that Marvel world, uh, I'm picturing you like, you know, now you're going to pose naked on Instagram because you're like naked in this movie. Oh, and- like I'm going to be like Mateo Lane and just like have my butt cheeks out all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. and like do a little cute face. I love a butt on Instagram. You know, I do my butt on Instagram. I show my butt on oh, Instagram. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a part of my brand, so. Um, I will just say this last thing about it is that um, uh, this is too much information, but uh, I have a very hairy butt. <laughs> and I think this is important because um, they're not on television ever because uh, it's almost like they're excluded from TV, hairy butts. <laughs> and so when the movie came out, my friend called me who also has one and he was like, this is representation. <gasps> oh, this is important. I thought you were going to say, and they made me wax. No. Like on set, they're like, take care of this butt. I was like, butt. this is who I am. And they're like, oh, okay, all right. Well, <laughs> hope this is funny. They're like, this is why we cast him. <laughs> we were like, who, who here the, probably has a hairy butt? <laughs> at the audition, they're like, show us your ass. Oh my God. Let me see that ass. Uh, uh, how are you? How have you been? I'm great. Yeah? I'm great. Yeah, I'm good. Um... Uh, I just came off of a very long drought of no work. Of unemployment. Of unemployment. I'm so sorry. It was like one of the worst of my life. Really? My career. How yeah. long? Um, it started around October, November-ish. Okay. And it extended all the way into almost the end of February. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of, I, I hate saying it, but I feel like I just started. <laughs> along a road well, of unemployment. I hope not. I hope to God I can get a job, but it's it feels scary coming off from something that was so big in my life to like nothing. Yeah. Um, not nothing. I have some stuff, but you know, not like what I had I at mean, HQ. I've been I've been freelancing since 2014. Yeah. So when I say like unemployment, I don't mean like office job. I mean like gigless. Yeah. Which is where I live on gigs. So I, I like would cobble together a few really weird ones through that period just so I could like pay my mortgage. Yeah. Uh and like I have kids and stuff. So like but it's um uh it hasn't been this bad in a couple of years. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well did you get a job? Are you I have a bunch now. That's great. Yeah. But Congratulations. also Corona is threatening Some many of, of them. Yeah. All of them. So <sighs> That's scary. Yeah, it's precarious. I should have been at work today, but things got pushed because of Oh corona. yeah, you said you weren't sure what you were if you were going to have to show up at this office or not. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Can I ask you what's like one of the weird jobs you said you've had some weird jobs to, you know, to get by. What are some of the weird jobs you've had? Would you want the weirdest jobs in my life? Sure. I l- love those. Um the first job I ever had, I worked in a daycare. 
Okay. And I cared for children. And my mom used to always tell me that I was like- Remember two minutes ago when you said you're a dad with kids? Uh-huh. <laughs> this story's starting out great. So. Yeah. So I, but I was 15. <laughs> and like 15 year old- for children. <laughs> when a 15 year old works in daycare, it's more like they want to play the games they want to play with like 10 year olds. Yeah. I was paired up with like the fours. And um, I just, the, you know, I don't even know if I want to tell the story because it's kind of gross. <laughs> My mom used to tell me that I was really queasy around like um, bodily stuff, right? Okay. And I and she, that I was don't like know part. If I of, hear this story. No. That was part of the mythology she built around me. And I was like, oh, I guess I am. I guess yeah. I guess I'm like weirded out by like body stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I went back and did talk back at my uh, high school. I, I was the commencement speaker at my high school a couple of years ago. Okay. And afterwards, That's this lady cool. I worked with came up to me and she was like, "Do you remember this time where a kid when we were?" going for a walk, all the kids just shit his pants, <laughs> shit his pants incredibly. And we didn't have anything we could do to like clothe him or anything. And do you remember what you did? And I was like, no. Oh my God. She said, you scaled down a ravine on the side of the road where there was a stream at the bottom what? and you washed his pants and underwear on a rock. <laughs> and then you brought them back and you wrung them out and he wore them back home. Oh my God. That sounds like biblical. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then she's like, you don't remember because the, mo the mom was really mad that you threw away his underwear. And I was like, I, none, my mom had you so couldn't. successfully erased my memory of being, <laughs> I just, this, this was like a Tuesday at that job. Oh my God. So that was a weird job I had. The way you said it though. Yeah. It sounded really like you were his hero that it day. It like sounded so epic. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't remember I was 15. She's like, like probably, I tell this story every year at Thanksgiving. When you're 15 and you're doing a job, you're like, is this the job? Like, <laughs> oh, is this part of it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the same year, uh, I also got a job working at like a farm stand. Okay. Under the table where I'd like, you know, stock produce and stuff. And like literally a side of the road farm stand. But they where also, was this? This is in um, Springville, New York, which is where I'm from. It's like a cow town. I grew up on a farm. Right. And uh, the guy uh, had me start, he also had this business of selling sheds. And so he had me drive an 18 wheeler. What? I was 15. I did what? not have my permit. <gasps> and I was delivering sheds. Did he know this? Were you like, I don't drive? It was like country stuff. It was like, yeah, just don't get caught. <laughs> what? This guy thought he was hot shit. His name was Merle. Merle, let you drive an 18-wheeler at 15 years old. Let me? Made me. <laughs> like, was like, you want... You want your $4 an hour, right? <laughs> and then what? You had to take a shed off of a truck and put it in someone's backyard or something? Well, it was a, a several-man process okay. that we would um, deliver the shed. Yeah. In my head, it was just like scrawny little Dave being like, hi, I'm here with your shed. It kind of was <laughs> Can like Can I park that. my truck on your lawn? <laughs> I mean, I'd already, I, already, I, I already knew how to drive a stick shift because of our tractor. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So... I wasn't completely ill-equipped for it. I was just um, illegally operating this machine. Got it, got it. One time I remember, in my, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and across the street from us, we had our family friends and they had three boys who were the same ages as, as us, my brother and sister and I. Um, and so we'd always hang out. And I remember one night, we were probably like 15 and Danny, who was my age, he was like, he was like, we should go get pizza. We had pizza delivery, but he thought like, he wanted the place that doesn't deliver and it was like nearby. He's like, I know how to drive Cut now. I'll just take, just take my mom's car. It was like a big SUV. 
And I remember we were all like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, my grandpa taught me how to drive. Like, I'm good. I know how to do it. And all I know is he like, he hit something (laughs) and the whole side was like scratched up. And we didn't want our parents to know that we were like, they were all out. And so I remember we like Google, I don't know if you Googled, we like called someone and we're like, how do you get a scratch out of the side of a car? And they were like Windex. And like the six of us were like with paper towels, like trying to Windex a scratch out of a car. And then their parents came home. We're like, nothing happened. And they're like, yeah, the whole fucking side of the car is scratched. We're like, okay, fine. Danny wanted to get pizza from the place that doesn't deliver. So oh, he drove. You and caved. I think we did. Wow. And our parents were like, this is the baddest thing they ever did. Our parents were like doing drugs, you know, like smoking pot together. And they're like, our kids finally were bad. We were so good. <laughs> This is the worst thing we ever did. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like they were almost excited. A I, I, little bit, probably. You know, my parents were always excited if I did something bad. They were like, finally, <laughs> she's cool. <laughs> and I was like, I have to be at jazz band at 7 a.m. They're <laughs> like, like, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> she let us down again. Yeah. All she's right. Such so an accomplished young woman. I know. I know. Now they're like, and I remember when you were good. <laughs> what happened? Oh. Um, so you're driving this tractor around. Yeah. How long did you have this job for? Oh, I only had it for a couple weeks. Like he like fired me. Like there was a day oh, that he in. called me and um, he was like, where are you? And I was like, home. <laughs> and he was like, you're supposed to be here. I was like, well, you, you, uh, okay, I can be there. You just didn't tell me. He's like, well, uh, oh, Never come back again. <laughs> so like that was how you got fired. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's such a. I can imagine that his farm stand had a high turnover rate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if he like was it. employing fifteen-year-old boys to drive the truck for four dollars an hour without a license. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. great. I don't know how long I would have hung tight on that job. So uh, I don't know if that was being fired or if I ever had that job. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a trial period, and he was like, he didn't show. I mean, considering that I got paid like three times on that job, and the three times I got paid was like, here is a forty-dollar. Bill. Here's a $40 bill from me to you. <laughs> that was a fake bill, Dave, unfortunately. Oh, no. Well, they, they accepted it as legal tender in my town. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That works. Small. It's a small bartering community. So you're from this from. small town. Yeah. Were you always like, I want to be in Hollywood. I want to be in entertainment. Like, when did you know you wanted to do that? Well, when I was in high school, and I so I knew that I was going to be paying for college mostly on my own. Okay. And so... Uh, I decided to go to state school and I was looking at um, either going for fine arts and I, I had gotten some grants and I had also gotten like the the loans. Mm-hmm. I was looking at fine arts and I was looking at acting and fine arts, they were like, you have to pay $500 out of pocket for art supplies. And I was like, oh, I can't afford this education. So <laughs> that's why I became an actor. I love when we're young and we're like, that's a lot of money. And we're like, that. Well, and then I got to college and I was like, I don't have to buy any textbooks for acting. This is, I don't even have to study anything. (laughs) I just get an A for like showing up and like, you know, rolling around in sweatpants. I was like, this is the life. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, that's what put me on the road. And then I've always had like this very, um, like, um, resourceful, I'll turn anything into a job. I'll always find a way to make money. So like I've had a billion jobs for that. And so I was like, okay, I'll figure out how to make money at this. Yeah. You know, like they were like, oh, you, my school was like, you're not going to be a movie star. You're not going to be a TV star. You're not even going to be a commercial star. Don't go to New York. Don't go to LA. 
learn how to do Renaissance fairs. <laughs> no. 100%. They were, and so like they made us learn like combat and I got certified in broadsword and they're like, learn to ride a horse. What? You can, because they're like, you can do the Ren fairs in the summer. And if you're really good, you could do oh medieval God. times. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I uh, was like raised... <gasps> in that mentality. So my first two years out of college, I didn't go to New York or LA. I did regional theater in Florida. Oh my God. Yeah. What, did you do any good shows? I did the complete works of Shakespeare. It was nuts. The schedule is nuts. All right. <laughs> I did regional theater when I first graduated too. Where'd so, you do it? In Delaware and Philadelphia. Great. Yeah. Those are like, and I had already done a summer at a summer stock mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. Um, so I was like, oh, it's like camp. Yeah, your experience. Um, yeah, you got it. So I went down to Florida. I did Complete Works of Shakespeare Bridge four nights a week. Wow. One night of the week, I did uh, Charlotte's Web as a children's theater in a town. The next town over, the next night, I would do Fisherman and His Wife, which is like a whatever. And then I also did a kid's adaptation of The Tempest in a third town on a third night. What? On all the nights that I did Complete You're Works of Shakespeare Bridge. the busiest actor in land of Florida. Th- this story ends well. <laughs> on all the nights that I did Complete Works of Shakespeare Bridge, I also ran a sketch slash improv team that we do an hour-long set at the end of the night. We wrote an entirely new show every single week, oh a half-hour sketch show, which, by the way, not good. Uh... <laughs> During the daytime at 4 p.m. every day, I'd have to do a storytelling hour in the town square. I did all of this and the pay was $180 a week. Oh my God. So I had to take a full-time job as a barista in the mornings. How old were you? You had the energy of a superhero. I was 20. Oh I my had that. God. I was, this is just what you do. And then I still didn't make enough money. So I took a paper route. So I, my days started at 4 a.m. and they ended at like 1 a.m., and wow. I just, I went insane. You could do anything. Honestly, if you could do that, you could do anything. Well, that was my thought for many years. And yeah. now I'm just like, but I'm so old and tired now. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know someone's like, I got a 10 p.m. show. I'm like, that means uh, 10, I won't go on till 10.45. I'm, I don't know if I, I can handle it. I don't know if I can, my bones will blow away. I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you think back and you're like, cool, I got this. I'm going, I'm doing, I'm nonstop. I used to be proud of that. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I was bad at negotiating and no one helped me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, someone, I should have had a fiduciary in my life that pulled me aside. They're like, no, the bad contract. Yeah. Don't do this one. Right. <laughs> well, um, you learned. You learned from it. I did. You know what it was? I, I've said this a lot. There's a lot of jobs that have been bad enough that pushed me to the next better thing. Yeah. So if this job had paid me better, maybe I'd be living on a beach in Florida still doing the same <laughs> thing. But it was so bad that I was like, I'd rather be poor in New York. Yeah, that's true. And I also feel like when people lose jobs too, sometimes it can fuel you. You're like, I didn't need them anyway. Something better is coming along. Like if it's all perfect, you're right. You're going to get comfortable. You're never going to stop. It's like why, you know, it was, it's, it's, I think it's why it's hard for people to leave restaurant jobs because it's, you know, you make good money and it's consistent work and you know yeah. what, you know, and then, you know, 10 years later, you're like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't leave. <laughs> Right. I didn't stop. Right. And and so I always, I, I, I think that very early I ended up becoming very hungry because of that. Mm-hmm. And I've always had this philosophy that when you're not hungry anymore, um, and I don't mean that like in some sort of enthusiastic way, I mean like literally you need food, um, that <laughs> you, without a little bit of hunger, without that stress, you just start decaying. Yeah. You start dying. Because I think about all the people that like, <laughs> what are your life events, right? You are 
Uh, I don't know. You're born. You go to school. You graduate high school. You graduate college. Right. You get Sometimes, yeah. married. Uh, you have a kid. You buy a house. You do most of that stuff by the time you're like in your 30s or 40s throughout most of the country. I don't know that I'm ever going to do some of that stuff. That's fine because okay. you chose a different life. Because <laughs> after that, what are you doing? You're buying time. Yeah. Until you die. Wow. You're watching TV, you're managing your lawn. And I think that's a fine life. But for me, I was like, oh no, I always want to be doing something really scary and something new all yeah. the time. Now, that's the way I felt in my 20s. Now I'm very tired. So I don't know <laughs> how I feel. No, because when you do something big and good, it it almost serves the same purpose where you're like, that was great. I need more of that. I crave that. I need to have a project. I need to be working on something I'm passionate about. It's I, it's the way that I handle my particular anxiety is mm-hmm. always working towards something. It makes me feel like I have some control over my future. Me too. I always have stuff going on or projects going on. And even if I'm feeling lazy one day, I'll feel bad for myself if I like watch a couple episodes of TV and I'm like, you could have been working during that. Like I'll always, you know, get mad at myself. You know what I do what? for that? I have I have just two rules that govern my decisions as far as like what I do work-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first rule is um, everything I do has to serve two purposes. Okay. So I can't do something just for money. I have to do something for money and like it's working in a new field I like or it's working with somebody I really like. Okay. And, you know, so like it's all, it's got to feed me two different ways. Yeah. And the other rule I have is the rule of five, which is if I don't spend five minutes doing a thing that puts me where I ultimately want to be or doing the thing I want to do, um, then the day was wasted. Just five minutes. Five minutes? Right. So it started at five. Now it's more like seven hours, but it started at five minutes where it was like, okay, so like you're working at a job and you're a server or whatever, uh-huh. and you want to be, I don't know, a famous burlesque dancer. Okay. So that five minutes at night is just Googling, where can I take burlesque? Right. It's literally just bending your mind towards something that gets you out of the day to day. Five minutes is easy. It, exactly. Yeah. I know people do the like they they do those writing websites like seven hundred words in a day or yeah. something where they have to write every single day and they say it works for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I put myself if I hold myself accountable for like a certain amount of you know I I don't know if I'll do it. This, right, it's, it's like hard. it's like working out where you're like I'm just gonna do. 500 push-ups every day. And you do like 30 on one day, you're like, I guess I can't do anything ever. Right. And I'll die fat. Um, <laughs> it's 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 just such a low bar. Yeah. But um, it, that's all it takes. And uh, for me, that's all it takes for me to be like, okay, this day was still my day. It still belonged to me. Because yeah. there's so many days in your life that belong to somebody else. <laughs> Especially if you have kids. Yeah. Well, I like giving them my days. Yeah. But like jobs... Sure. You know, one thing I've learned through the 50 billion jobs I have is that um, employers aren't your family and they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. It's a transaction between you two and you have to keep that distinction. Yeah. Um, so if you do make the decision to work extra hours and whatever, you got to do it for you. Yeah. Like, oh, this is how I want to do this and not because you're like, they just really need me. Yeah. No, I I feel like I hear from people all the time, especially freelancers who are like, it was supposed to be a couple days a week, and now they're like, oh, can you come in another day, and can you do this and that, and you know, you feel, and I feel bad because they're understaffed, and you know, they're good to me, and they keep me, and it's like, yeah, no, we don't. You have to know your worth. <laughs> yeah, and I will say to that point, like. I definitely, I have a way I like to work, which is like all the way through. And if they've told me how much they're going to pay me mm-hmm. and what they want me to do, 
I'm going to get that done for the amount I agreed on. So there's no part of it that's like, I'm not getting paid enough. Like I said, yes. Right. So if I say yes to do a shitty pilot presentation that's non-union and it's $100 and now I'm in New Jersey and I think <laughs> someone's going to cut my kidneys out because this thing is super shady. Uh-huh. I'm going to go for it. I wow. said yes. This was last Thursday? This sounds really recent and uh, personal. <laughs> I, I shot a movie this year that I like 100% was duped into doing. Really? Yeah. Uh, is it is it is it that butt movie on a HBO? <laughs> no, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. No, oh. this was one that like had good producers mm-hmm. and had like good talent attached and like they were offering me. It was, I was third build, so I was like, sure, yeah. Yeah. And then like... There's a lot of red flags that I won't get into, but eventually I cornered a producer. I was like, how'd you get on this? And they were like, oh, the guy that wanted to make this just emailed me over and over again. And then eventually just started putting producer as my credit. And I said, sure, why not? <laughs> Interesting. I get some of those emails and I'm like, I don't know who you are. You have nothing to show for. Like, mm-hmm. how, what? But obviously it worked if it brought they brought all of you guys on. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very effective method. I got to be careful what I say because this movie could come out and like it was not a bad experience working on it. It was just 100% we were all tricked into working on it. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So when did you come to New York? That's my question. Uh, I was down in the Florida Florida panhandle. Sure. um, And I was looking at people there that were like 10 years older than me and I was like, you're going to be here forever. (laughs) And I want to do comedy. I want to do bigger things. I wanted to own a house someday and I wanted to have kids and I was like, can't do that doing this thing here. Yeah, so $180 I, a week. Exactly. So I knew UCB was in New York. Um, I'd done improv in college. UCB Torco came to my school. Oh, cool. It was Gabris. Nice. Ben Rogers, Adam Pally. Stars. And Fran Gillespie. Wow. And I was the guy they interviewed. I love that you remember all four performers. Of course I do, because yeah. I was the one they interviewed and they eviscerated me. <gasps> oh, that's so fun. So I was like, I'm going to go. To where you live. Yeah. And I'm going to do the thing you do. That's so funny. And someday I'll crush you. Oh my God. That, when I had an internship, when I was a junior in college, I came to New York City and I worked for a casting director for a year, which was, I mean, a summer. And uh, I would go see Hot Sauce, mm-hmm. um, the improv team, which was Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was it? Adam Pally yeah. and Gil Azari. Mm-hmm. And they were so fucking funny. And I'd see their show every weekend. And I was like, I think I got to go there. Like, yeah. these guys are great. And yeah. that was how I discovered them. But it's I, so funny. I had a bittersweet moment where I was on Guy Code with Gabris. And I was just like, you know, you uh, did tour code at my school a couple years ago. And now here we are <laughs> doing the same job. And he's like, what? Okay. Hey, good to meet you. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's like, really right, funny. Now we're and I was like, oh, okay. I guess this isn't like a weird revenge. No. Yeah. <laughs> I once saw Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers in a talk together and she interviewed Seth Meyers. He was like the interview for ASCAT or whatever. Oh. And he didn't know them. Have you ever heard this story? And like... Mm-mm. And she has, and he's like, it was the greatest night of my life. And I was like, these are like the funniest people I've ever seen. And now he's fucking Seth Meyers and she's Amy Paul. And she's like, I got no recollection of this whatsoever. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, it was just another night. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really funny that it, he's like, it meant the world to me. And I was like, I think I should be doing this. <laughs> um, this is the same thing as in The Princess Bride. Uh, <laughs> Inigo Montoya and the Six-Fingered Man. is like, to me, killing your father was a Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, except for the dead part, you know, the, the murder part. 
Oh, I should mention that all four of those people murdered my family in uh, front of me. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Frank so Gillespie. It was really memorable. She held me down and held my <laughs> eyes open and she said, watch, witness. <gasps> She's so. like, get the fuck out of here, farm boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you came to New York. Yeah. UCB, you show up with your bags. Uh, you're like, I'm ready to be a funny man. I moved to New York with no money, which I can't recommend. No. Um, no, it's that's scary. Yeah, so I moved with no money. I interviewed for a job in a print shop. And they were like, great, we'll hire you in two weeks. I was like, well, what do I do to eat for two weeks? Literally. <laughs> so, um, Did you I, have friends here? Uh, yeah, but they were also, uh, and I was very proud. I was like, I didn't figure it out. And so my in-laws, who were just my girlfriend's parents back then, um, they took me to Costco and I bought a like 30 pack of mac and cheese. And uh, in the daytime, I, oh, I picked up a job that paid under the table. I walked into a coffee shop. I was like, I can make coffee. Will you hire me? And they're like, sure. <laughs> and so like that day I started working and they paid me under the table. And so I was getting like $40 a day there in New York. And oh the day I started working at the print shop, I just walked out of the other, like, goodbye. Um, and then at the print shop, they're like, well, your first paycheck comes in another two weeks. Right. And so in that period of time, what I would do is I would make a pot of mac and cheese. I didn't have plates, so I just eat it out of the pot, a full pot of mac and cheese at night. <laughs> that was my food for the day. Okay. So the entire day I had to go without food. And so a manager like saw me and was like, I will, like, he saw me not eating and like started to buy me four packs of nuggets oh. on his break. <laughs> Um, so that was my, st so it took me two years to get enough money together to start taking classes at UCB. Yeah. It's expensive to go there. It's it just, a lot of money. I tell everybody when they come to the city, you got to give yourself some time to just figure out how to live. Yeah. Can't you expect really to show up and like be a star. Yeah. I was lucky because I did this internship that didn't pay me um, when I was a junior in college. I needed to get an internship in production. And so I was like, my friend Greg had worked at this casting office and he was like, oh yeah, it was great. Like go here. And so I did, but they're obviously they don't pay. They give like school credit. And I was like, well, how, <laughs> how am I going to live? So I started working at a restaurant and I worked there all summer and they they knew, like, I was like, I'm here for the summer. Like, I'm just doing this internship. And I was staying in a dorm room, like, with a roommate. And they were like, I, I did a good job. Because they were like, when you graduate, you always have a job here. And so oh my God. that summer before I, gra I mean, like, the May before I graduated, I literally moved here the day after I graduated college. Because I called them up and they were like, yeah, we could use you for the summer. Wow. And I was like, great. I, and they were like, can you be here Monday? And I was like, yeah. And so <laughs> I just remember I, like, graduated on, like, I don't know, a Saturday. And then, like, my mom helped me pack up Sunday and, like, drove my shit to New York Monday. Wow. Luckily, my ex-boyfriend's uncle had died. So they were like, I guess you can use this empty apartment that Luckily. this man lived in. I didn't ever meet him, but I was like, oh, he died? How? What weird what timing. <laughs> and he had a place in Soho. He said, as he was dying, he said, give it to Anna. <laughs> it was so creepy. Let actually. her use it. They were also, I didn't know him. I never met him, but they were like, he was also on like house arrest. And I was like, oh, there's some shit that went down here. Wow. Um, but I was like, I love Soho. I'm very comfortable here. Of course, I'll always stay in this area. <laughs> And then they, like two months later, his, my ex's parents were like, we're going to get rid of the apartment. Like you've been working now a couple months. Maybe you can find a place to rent. And I was like, I'll just, I'll stay here, uh, you know, oh. on Mott Street oh. between Houston and Prince. Wow. And uh, they were like, yeah, $5,100 a month. We lived on an open up couch. Like there was no room for a bed. It was that small right. and it was still that much money. Right. So. The entire world is a financial <laughs> scam. <laughs> Literally. Especially here in New York City. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, I, I don't know why I turned that into me. That was a me moment. I was like, I was hearing how well, I loved your that you story said, that you, oh, coming to New York without any money. Right. Is, it's, yeah. And you got in with a server job because how many people come to New York and they're like, they say you need experience to be a server, but how do you get experience if yeah. you can't be a server? And now I'm a grown up and I'm like, lie. Right. Catch 22. Who Fucking gives lie. It, you just, can you carry French fries? Like that's. <laughs> We were talking about this, Emma and I, how we lied on our resumes and then Hell we'd have yeah. our actor friends play our references. Easy. You're in. They're going to give Hell you a better yes. glowing reference than anyone you've ever worked for. <laughs> I All I need is the most tangential like uh, connection to a thing and all of a sudden, yeah, oh, uh, I was in a promo for HBO. Uh, just like my hands were in the background. Yeah. I have had HBO as a client. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just kidding. HBO has been my client. That's a real credit. So if you're hiring. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'd like an HBO credit, actually. I don't have one aside from being related to Robert Durst, who's the serial killer from The Jinx. So that's like kind of a credit. I knew this, this about got quiet. you. This got I real knew quiet. This, I knew you were related to little Durst. Yeah. That's He's on right. trial. Yesterday he said he did see his friend's murdered body because he discovered it, but he didn't murder. Oh wow. <laughs> He's still trying to get away with this shit. He's old. <laughs> he could have taught you a few lessons about lying about that pizza. I know. And that car. He probably could have. Yeah. I really want to interview him. Don't you think he'd be great on this podcast? Um, on this podcast? No. I think he would. What would you do? You'd be like, what do you do for a job? Well, I Talk to my brother, <laughs> and he, gives, and he me money. gives me seven million dollars so I can kill again. Yeah. Burp. And I'd be like, "Teach me your ways," <laughs> or just give me some money. Right. <laughs> I had a boss once who was like, "Why do you work here?" I was his assistant. If mm-hmm. you are related to these people, I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm not rich. Like they're they're a distant family." You member. gotta be like Succession style cousin Greg and just show him. Be like, show "Oh, him. I'm supposed to." Uh, Change your pants? I don't know. I don't know what Cousin Greg does on the show. I don't know. I saw the pilot. It was good, but I didn't watch anymore. Oh, I watched the entire thing. Still don't know. <laughs> I love that. So I want to know something because I think of you as one of my most successful friends. I really do. Wow. And I did once take an acting workshop with you, which yeah. was so great. And you've coached me on a couple auditions yeah, and stuff. I still do it. But you're so, you told me something once that I was like, Every time I go into an audition, I think I need the Dave Ebert mentality where you were like, I walk into an audition and I say, I am the only person for this job. There is no reason that they wouldn't hire me. I am the person for this job. And with that kind of confidence, because you go in and you're like, you know, some people are like, I don't know if I'm right. I don't know. You know, they get in their head. And you said that once. And I was like, Anna, just fucking throw everything out. You're the only person who can do this job. And I try so hard to think like you. And so- and you've done it and you've had these great jobs. I want to know, did you ever get a job that you were like, this is it, my life is changing. This is the job that's going to change. Several times. I want to- uh, It didn't work out. <laughs> I feel like that's always the conversation yeah. on this podcast. But we've- When I first started booking national commercials, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to live in the money. When I got the Limerita campaign, yeah, that I was, was the spokesperson huge. for Bud Light Lime Limeritas. It was huge. It was huge. And I and I went so hard for commercials for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like lived, breathed, died. I was doing research on like the agencies. I was doing research on the directors. I was like honing myself in for this. And when I finally got one, I was like, this is it. And I will say that when the first check came in, I paid off my student loans in a day. Oh my God. I cried. That's so nice. I'd never seen that much money at one time in my entire life. Yeah. I grew up agonizingly poor. I grew up well below the poverty line. I grew up eating ramen noodles. I mean, 
My parents Which made like twenty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, and they're not on social. They don't have a TV. <laughs> right. Um, and when I was really young, my mom was a single mom, and when I was really young, we had zero money. Yeah. You know, um, we lived off of welfare, uh, so I was like, "Oh, my life is always going to be different now." Yeah. But I spent the money. Because you're in New York and you have a family, and I mean it's that's just, what it was. I I was like, oh, okay, so you know. The second, I think that when I make like five thousand dollars, and I'm like, my life is changing. I'm knocking debt down. I can't pay it off, but I'm knocking it down. Right, and I've always taken bets on myself, right? And and when you start to do this stuff, you think of yourself rising. You uh-huh. think of your bar graph of your life is just going up. Yeah. Um, and that's the way it was for a while. And you know, I I then proposed to my now wife. Um, I, I saved a lot of that money. I started a retirement fund. Um, Smart. And then I used every dollar I'd ever seen to put a down payment on a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and these I, are all good investments. They're all good investments, yeah. sure. Um, but when I did that, well, then things dried up. Bud Light Limeritas uh, found out that they weren't selling as much as they wanted to, so they fired the agency. <laughs> and they realized that they should be marketing to women exclusively, so they fired me. Um, Is that really what happened? Yeah, oh, I that's didn't what know happened. That. Yeah, yeah. And I was, it was at BBDO, was the agency, and they fired BBDO and wow. Hauser Bush. Um, in fact, I had a job two years later where I was teaching the head of Anheuser Busch, the guy who fired me, how to act no. in a spot. Yeah, oh, I love and it. I didn't have a beard, so he didn't recognize who I was. And he was just telling me about their whole strategy. And their <laughs> strategy is: don't rely on actors, don't rely on copy, rely on visual stories because the new market is China and fuck America. Wow, crazy, right? Yep. So now I really shouldn't care about an audition. So how can <laughs> I think going. that I'm? How can I think that I'm a good actor? How can yeah. I think that I have any cap- capability over my future when <sighs> the people that are actually pulling the levers are like, oh, we're just pouring our assets into China now? Oh my god, yeah, I can't believe you got that. You had this experience of like meeting up again and like talking I've had to that this experience person. dozens of times really? in this business. Yes. Mm. Um, so that I thought was life changing. Then I got into the house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, d- didn't have any money, was totally broke. I'd also spent like $35,000 on making a proof of concept for a TV show. Wow. Uh, and then I spent the year selling it, sold the show. Congratulations. Got it to air. Thank you. I remember this show. It was Ghost Story Club. It was, it was on so True fun. TV. Yeah, I loved it. Nobody saw it. I saw it. I got a big fat chunk of change for that. And I was like, here it is again. Now I'm going to be a guy that makes TV. Yeah. I'm not going to be a guy that's subject only to the the world commercial, of acting right. commercial work i'm now a maker i'm i'm on the other side of the table yeah everybody i worked with at true tv got fired true tv was acquired by yep. well turner was acquired by at&t mm-hmm. in the merger they reidentified the network as not a comedy network but now an unscripted network and your show was scripted my show was scripted yeah it was dead And if I ever wanted to sell it again, whoever wanted to buy it would have to pay for the cost of the initial production, which is $2 million. Oh my God. So they'd have to pay $2 million to just then make a new show. Right. Wow. So that was, that was another time. That's so like, that happens so much in this business though. And like, I think a lot of people don't understand like how many hoops you have to go through, like to make something or to keep something or to have something or to revive something. Like a lot of people don't hear about all of that. You know, they think like, oh, you had a show and I guess they didn't pick it up again. And it's like, no, that all these things, all these things happened to me mm-hmm. or not to you, but you know, in life. Um, I had a show at True TV that was like in development and then they all got fired. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I had another one at 
true development. I won a Comedy Central development. It's just yeah. Um, the thing that I've learned is a don't trust anybody. B go in and get the money you can, and then get the fuck out before they're like suddenly like, oh, we only do cooking shows now. Right. Um, Never be too married to your work either. I feel like you got to yes. be adaptable. You got until you're fucking. I don't know. Shonda rhymes. You got to be able to be like even Shonda. She probably know, She doesn't have to worry about financial insecurity, but she does. They they everyone gets dealt blows. Yeah. Because that graph I told you about that's always going up. Part of becoming an adult and like really getting into an industry and sticking out in the industry is realizing it. The graph is made up. <laughs> that there's no ups or downs. There's just shit that happens. Yeah. And you're just trying to make, you're just pushing the rock as, up the hill as, as often as you can. And if you actually like want to like hack it, you just got to be willing to push the rock a few more times than everybody else. Yeah. It's true. He's inspiring. Dave's inspiring. This is why I always say, <laughs> Brian's like, wrap this shit up. No. Is this funny? <laughs> I hope this is funny. No, he's like, Anna, you guys are talking forever. No, but I love it. You're very inspiring. You're very motivating. You really are. And as a as a friend of mine for years, like I've seen you, I've seen you through all these projects mm-hmm. and get these things. And it's like, it's really cool to see you just you're always doing something new. And you're all you're directing and you're writing and you're producing and you're like. Because that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm not going to sit around and wait for the next, you know, fucking callback. Like, and they're like, yeah, come on in. We want to see you again. And I'm like, right. oh my God, today's the day. This is all my eggs are in this basket. Yeah. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't live that way. I got to be able to be good at different things. Because <sighs> all of this comes Can you tell down I edited to... a video till 4 a.m.? That means <laughs> nothing. Yeah, well, you never know. I had so much fun thinking about it. And I was like, Anna, just do it. It's only relevant today. Do it. <laughs> I'm like... Do you ever go back and read your stuff and be like, this is good? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Once in a while. I do that. Do you? Today, uh, Jeremy Bent posted that he's one of the new voices on Tooting Up. Yeah, I love Jeremy. Which, we went to college together. Uh, he, first of all, great what job What a voice. What a voice. What a voice, yeah. Um, I got to have know, him on here just to hear him talk. It's kind of like an Alan Alda, sort of like kind of like a yeah. very clear yeah. news announcery kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and he posted that and it reminded me that I had written this packet for it. And I went back and I reread the packet. And I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I only did the voiceover audition for it, but I remember being like, I killed. <laughs> yeah. I write packets that I really pour myself into. And then when I'm done, I'm like, this is always going to be good and serves no function outside of this packet. I know. My last Fallon I'm convinced packet, no one's read my packets. They don't. <laughs> um, they don't, let me just go ahead and get get ahead there. Uh, unless you know somebody over there that's like, we're definitely going to read it. They don't. Yeah. And um, just so you guys know, if you're listening, a packet is like a late night submission for, you know, a submission for a late night show or a comedy show mm-hmm. or any kind of, you know, writing job in television. Um, my last Fallon packet, mm-hmm. I wrote the entire packet as a 50-year-old young adult novelist who lives in New England. <laughs> What do you mean? I, the you, entire thing was you in, themed it. Yes, it was in character. I I formatted it to look like it was typed on a typewriter. Wow. I um had all these personal things where like uh, I kept referencing my ex wife. I kept referencing my day job at oh the Red my Lobster. God. Um, I my my monologue was formatted like a, a Samuel French Stop. play script. Stop. You're uh, either red flagged or they have your shit like in a frame in the office and they're was, like this guy <laughs> neither yes they do neither let me think they do i like they just like saw it and they're like uh like they just read my name and they're like sounds boring 
<laughs> Dave Ebert sounds oh. like a boring name. No, so. that's really funny. Yeah. You had fun with it. Well, like, what else am I supposed to do? Right. <laughs> Maybe do the, the packet. <laughs> well, I've done the packet. Right. You know, I have lots of packets. So you're gonna post that anywhere? You should post that on Twitter. For who? For me. For I bet people would like that. You've posted other essays and stuff you've written. People love your writing. Yeah, sometimes I have fun too. I in mean, fact, who else is reading this packet? <laughs> there was a time a couple of years ago where I posted my worst sketch from my SNL packet and people gave me $10,000 to make it. I remember. Do you remember I, I came to be a part of it? That's I, right. I, what did I do? I hosted like behind the scenes oh, drama. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was fun. I got to interview all these actors. I was like, how'd you get involved in the project? And they're like, I have no idea what it, this is. <laughs> Absolutely, it was like that. It's an Apple sketch. I don't really. And then it got made and like got color graded at the mill. It and was like, yeah. beautiful. And then it came out and like, and by the way, the whole time I was just like, if you guys want this, I'll do this. And then it like the script was virally retweeted and people gave me the money yeah. without, I was just like, you don't have to. And uh, and so then I made it and I put it up and it got like 2000 views. And I was like, you said <laughs> make it. you wanted this. Uh. Dylan Cole is in it. Right. I forgot about that. Or Dylan Sprouse. No, Sprouse. Sprouse. Dylan Sprouse. Cole's Cole, his brother. Sprouse, Dylan, Dylan Sprouse is in it. Dylan Cole sounds like, you know. A, Dylan Cole. Yeah. Um, that was fun though. But that's like, that is the Dave mentality. Even if it got 2,000 views or mm -hmm. whatever, you literally were like, this is fun. I worked on this. I did this SNL packet. They're mm -hmm. not hiring me. So you know what? I, this, I get a kick out of, I'm going to put it on the internet. And then- People gave you money and gave you a job to make something. It, it is funny because now that SNL packet is like uh, mostly produced. Because another sketch in it, I ended up putting in Ghost Story Club. So it got made in that way. And then the third sketch in it was uh, the short film I made with my wife last year. Uh -huh. uh, it's been too long. I loved it. it um, so funny. Which ended up getting into a billion film festivals and it became a Vimeo staff pick premiere. So cool. Um, and it like, like got me meetings with all these like really great companies. Uh, so like, and that opened a lot of doors for me. And that's an example of something I'm like, I don't know why I'm making this. Right. Like I shot that and I, while I was making it, I was like, this is the first time I'm spending money on something that I don't know. I don't see a future and I just want to make something with yeah. my wife. <laughs> that's really funny. My boyfriend and I want to make this mockumentary. Your name's come up actually to be a part of it. And I, well, I don't know what you. it's for. Like I've wanted, I've written this as a, uh, this idea of mine I've written as a sketch I've written it as an article no one's picked it up it's gone nowhere but I'm mm -hmm. like I just want to shoot it I yeah. just want to make it yeah I don't know why but I do I think it's really important to honor those specific impulses if they don't go away yeah it Where hasn't gone like, away yeah you're like I gotta do something with this someday now I say honor them I still have like 30 of those that I have yet to honor. At least you have them. But I, yeah. I, they, Some people don't even, they're like, how do I take pen to a paper and come up with an idea? Well, yeah. writing's easy. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. After like, you know, snacks, hours of television, laundry. My apartment is so clean when I have to write. Here's why I think <laughs> writing's easy is that um, I am never worried about if it's good. Wow. And if you don't worry if it's good, you could write a lot of stuff. <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> and then once it's written, it's always written. You always have it forever. That is true. Yeah. I, I drag out old scripts for things all the time. <laughs> I love that. I read, a, I did a stand-up joke that I realized was five years old. Like I read an old um, 
notebook of mine. I was cleaning my desk the other day and I was like, oh my God, I love this joke. And I was like, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. And I did it. It was like, I had a new punchline and I was like, wow, maybe recycled material can work out. That's absolutely true. You know, I didn't have the punchline then. Um, Dave, how are you right now? Are you employed, unemployed? We're going to we're gonna wrap this up and then we're going to call someone. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been employed. Okay, me too. Um, but Mentally. <laughs> I am on contract for a couple jobs. Cool. Um, that I'm doing and I'm enjoying the work. Um, and then- Your kids are fed, right? Kid, kids are fed the at the, the day, moment. Sure. You got a house, you've got kids. Everyone seems to be happy. Yeah, everybody's everybody's doing pretty well at the moment. I'm always, always stressed about money. Mm-hmm. I am too. Um, but I'm also always doing the things where I'm like, in addition to like the jobs I'm picking up, I'm always developing TV shows because, you know, it's one of those cells, then yeah. I'll eat for weeks. I know. I feel the same way. I'm always stressed about it, but I always have ideas that I'm like ready to, you know, bring into a room and sell to you. You always do. I do. And I and I love that about you. Thank you. All I've sold though is like a web series, but still, it was something. So far. So far, yeah. Um, I, I'm really grateful you're here. Are you ready to call someone? Yeah. All right, so I asked on Twitter. It's a little weird this week. I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but right now we're recording during the peak corona scare, right? People are not at work. Oh, this is not the peak. This is the beginning. Okay. This thing's going to be around for like a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, well, never mind. I thought this was the peak. Um, so I asked on Twitter, is anyone working from home for the first time, which I do all the time, um, <laughs> right? It feels a little less special right now. And uh, and because people are not allowed to go to their offices, they're quarantined, they're asked to not come in. And so I just thought it'd be fun to call someone who's going through that experience. And I found someone uh, who responded. His name is Timmy Dubs. It's Timmy W, but he goes by Timmy Dubs, D-U-B-Z. That's not really a name on Twitter. And I liked it. Um, he is a father. He travels a lot for work. He works in software sales. Um, so he's always traveling. And so he said right now he's not allowed to travel. His company's not letting him travel. Uh, so he's going to Disney World next week with his kids. He's like, fuck it. We're going to go to Disney. So I was fascinated by this, you know, cause clearly someone's scared about, about the virus, but he doesn't seem to be too scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wanted to call him. So we're going to call Timmy Dubs. Timmy Dubs sounds like an old-timey gangster. Right? Timmy Dubs. I hope he sounds like that, too. <laughs> yeah, see, you got Timmy Dubs on the phone. He's just from, like, Dick Tracy. <laughs> you guys, now he's going to be like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to just sound weird. <laughs> Hi, this is Tim. Hi, Tim. It's Anna Roisman. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Is this still an okay time to to chat? Yep. No problem. Cool. I'm on the phone with my friend Dave. Dave, say hi to Tim. Hi, Tim. Hey, Dave. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, Tim, I, you know, I already talked about how I went on Twitter and I was like, who is not at work? Who's working from home because of coronavirus? And I was fascinated by your response saying that uh, you're going to Disney World. You're not working and you're going to Disney. <laughs> it's one of those things where we're like, you know what? Everyone else is freaking out about it. Let's just do it. And you're, you're going with your whole family. <laughs> yep. We're taking the kids. It was actually a Christmas present. Um, we actually had a couple people reach out. And we're like, hey, aren't you guys scared and worried? And we're sitting here just thinking, nah, 
I mean, I, it hasn't affected us too much yet. Haven't heard anything negative about it in our area or in Florida. So we're just going to keep going for it. What area are you in? I live in Southern Virginia. Sorry, what did you say? Southern Virginia. Southern Virginia. Southern Virginia. I got you. I, I didn't hear that at first. And what do you do again for a living? I do software sales for a publicly traded company. Right, right, right. Software sales. So you always travel. This is, this is your job. Yeah. I'm actually on the road 60 to 70, 75% of the time right now. So pretty busy. And they kind of went back and said, hey, anyone that travels, we are officially rescinding any for travel right now. Don't get out in front of customers. Don't go to conferences, anything. Just stop what you're doing and hold off until we say anything. Now, your is your livelihood based on the sales you make? Or do they have some sort of compensation plan? Like, are you screwed? <laughs> Yeah, so I have a quota I'm supposed to attain, and that's what my income is based off of. And so hitting that quota definitely necessitates getting out in front of customers and and basically taking care of my sales territory, which is literally half of the country. Everything east of the Mississippi is what I cover right now. So not being able to travel is putting a hamper on quite a bit of that. Do they expect you to just like get on the horn and get people and be like, hey, try this software uh, to whoever picks up at, at the desk at wherever you're calling? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. We, we obviously have our own remote sales tools that we use, like WebEx. Um, we're all big on Salesforce and a couple of different calling tools we have. Um, company gives us cell phones that were issued that we can use to reach out everyone. So we've got some great tools to use on our own, but at the same time, getting out there in person, doing office visits, obviously in-person demonstrations and negotiations work way better than being expected to do everything over the phone and over WebEx and whatnot. But um, yeah, I feel it's one of those things we get to adapt to. It's, it, I hope people are going to be more open and welcoming to, you know, video chats and Skype meetings and whatnot if we are all at home, because I don't, I don't like that people are not, are losing work. I mean, we go to auditions and I'm, I'm afraid they're going to just be like, well, tape everything at home. And it's never the same as going in and meeting someone. And I get that, you know, that personal connection that you're making with someone. Otherwise you're just, you know, you don't know if they're watching your tape and oh, they get a text and oh, they're hungry. And you know, it's not even you, it's just the day that's going by. So I hope people are, are, you know, receptive to WebEx meetings. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, Tim, can I go ahead and pivot here to the Disney trip? <laughs> um, I'm curious, are you guys, are you staying on site at a Disney resort? No, we actually have an Airbnb down the street. So that's taken care of, thank goodness. But I'm not going to lie, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of worried that Disney might go to some extreme measures here in the next days after this is going to be World an- Health Organization making their announcements and stuff. Like, I hope they don't close down. But oh, God, hey, we'll I be hope in Florida not. enjoying the heat anyway. I hope not. I'm picturing National Lampoon's vacation, you know, where they go to Wally World and they get to Wally World and it's closed and you're going to be like, all right, guys, we're going to the Magic Castle and you get there and they're like, we're closed. Yeah, you're going to have to spend your vacation at like Legoland. (laughs) Have you been to Disney World before? I haven't and neither have my kids. This is the first time for all of us. Oh, okay, wait, hold on. You are taking a gamble. Hold on. Did you guys, did you guys, um... Did you do your fast passes? Did you get those set up? Oh yeah, got fast passes going, all that stuff. We've got restaurants booked and everything. So oh good. And Disney said on their website a couple times, "Hey, nothing's changing so far." But at the same time, it's always we're sitting here in the back of our minds, like, "Is that going to change?" Like everyone else, will they give gone? you some sort of? Will that? Will you get your money back on these passes or whatever if the parks do close? 
Do you know if... Oh, I'm sure they will. Okay. Um, I'm sure that's going to be built in. I mean, I might, we even bought plane tickets for both of the grandmas to come out here with us, and we're watching the airlines, too, thinking, okay, hopefully they don't cancel those flights, but Delta has been really cool. Delta even gave us a couple of credits for changing their flights because we noticed prices were going down, so we called them up and said, hey, things are changing. Can you help take care of us since we're still paying on this? And we got some cool credits there. Hell so yeah, negotiate nice. the shit out of that. Okay, so um, not that you're asking for advice on Disney, but I love Disney. And I just want to tell you that if there's anything that's like a two-hour wait, don't bother. <laughs> I love this. Dave's, Dave's giving you the expert Disney just advice Just go right do now. something else if it's an over a two-hour wait. It's just not worth it. The lines are pretty fast and pretty fun to be in. Uh, just, just don't do that. And also, you know, you don't have to touch a lot of stuff in Disney for the most part. If you just sanitize before and after every ride, you know, you get the hand sanitizer going. It's not. They'll it's, probably have it. And for like you. the the crowds are probably going to be lower. Yeah. You know, there's nobody going to be like on top of you. I was thinking that. I'm like, you're probably going to be at the front of every line if you're like, this is the week we're doing it. We're going to Disney. Oh yeah. How old are your kids? Seven, nine, and eleven. Oh, those are great ages Perfect for Disney because you guys would even maybe be willing to do like single rider on certain things because then you can go way fast through there. How many times have you been to Disney? A lot. <laughs> I go a lot. I, pro- <laughs> I proposed to my wife in Disney. I went there on my honeymoon. Oh my God, you guys are a Disney family. Oh, We're- this is complete pro step here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went when I was nine, I think with my family and I just remember my sister had strep throat and my mom, we like fought and I remember I was like, I don't want to go with you guys to the parks and I was like nine and I stayed at the hotel and I sat at the pool and like swam while they went to a park one day. I just remember bad things about Disney. I like the Tower of Terror. I remember that. That was a thing there, right? Dave's, Jesus, Anna. Dave's staring at me like, I, Jesus, come on. I, I, I give to charity. I love animals. I'm a good person. I just, you know, I don't have fond memories of Disney. You went one time and had a bad time. Maybe I'm going to go with Tim this week. You know, flights are cheap to Florida. I've been looking up flights. <laughs> it's like, I, I had this with the musical cats where everybody was like, I hate cats. And it's like, well, what was the circumstances upon which you saw it? They're like, I was eight years old and my aunt dragged me. I was like, nobody likes a musical when they're eight. No, cats is great. I stand cats. I also stand cats. Um, But uh, uh, I think that it's a great time for you to be taking your kids. Um, Do you have park hopper or are you doing one park per day? (laughs) It's words. (laughs) We're getting the nitty gritty here. Oh, it's, we got the park hopper. Oh, Gosh, you guys are going to have so much fun. So now you can't do extra magic hours because you're not staying on site, but you still be able to go see all of the uh, like the shows at the end of the night and you could switch throughout the day. In fact- Do you work for Disney? Can at, they sponsor this podcast? If you're at Epcot, you can take the, uh, the ferry that's there over to Magic Kingdom. Oh, no, no, no. Is it uh, not, not uh, Magic Kingdom? To, um, Failed. To uh, Hollywood Studios. Oh, and you're going to be there right when the new- Star Wars? Uh, Mickey Ride is opening. Oh. And Star Wars is open there too. Oh, nice. I tried to cut. I tried I to. Say, I was debating switching it to two days earlier because it sounds like Friday the 13th is villain day over there too. So they're going to have all the villains out like crazy, but we're going to miss that by a day. You oh. know, honestly, this is your first trip. The special stuff, there's just going to be so much going on anyway that you don't have. You, you don't need the villains. You're going to have a great time regardless. <laughs> Wait, so Timmy, so how long are you guys going to Disney for? So we have just four days of tickets. So 
Cool. That's the plan. We were debating doing some universal as well, but I don't know if we will. We'll just have some fun and veg out there and enjoy the heat. Can I ask you something? When you get back, though, you told me that you're not allowed to go to work. <laughs> Is that what's happening? You're not allowed to work because you're traveling? <laughs> yeah, and again, not allowed to do any type of... Right now, generally speaking, we can go visit customers onesie twosie, like if they're close and we can drive to them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all my flights are out of the deal right now. Um, so I could do that, except when I get back from Florida, the company said, hey, by the way, we need you to submit all of your travel plans to us and we'll tell you what you need to do from there. So I submitted my plan saying, hey, I'm doing a week at Disney World with my family. I've got family members coming from Idaho and California as well. We're all sharing a house, blah, blah, blah. So they're basically analyzing every aspect of our trip and then deciding, oh, by the way, after that trip, you're stuck in your house, no customer interaction in person, um, and no visiting any of our offices in person for at least two weeks. So yeah, I get to sit in my house and do WebEx even more. Wow. Can I just say though, you're really, you're taking one for the team right now. Honestly, your family's going to love you. You're going to have a really fun time. I hope. I pray to God that it's, you know, everything is open and it's, it works out for you. But that's ballsy. You're really living on the edge in these right now. People aren't even taking the subway in New York City because they're like, I'm going to get the virus. And you're like, fuck it. We're going to Disney World. We're going to have a blast. <laughs> so I exactly. commend you. And I mean, I've got some good guys on the inside too. My boss is actually starting to mention things like, hey, if this goes on any longer, I am going to go in and start to get negotiating for some quota changes or little bonuses to help you guys out for now. So, I mean, Good. the company's starting to understand. We've got people fighting for us as well to help make things right. Um, but obviously, look at the market. A lot of people in over just the last few days and stuff. So, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, Tim, uh, I think it's great that you're going to be at least using the downtime to bond with family and mm-hmm. extended family from all over and create memories right before a virus wipes out the planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's one way to go, you're going to be at the happiest place on earth. So congratulations to you guys. And that was, you guys will laugh at that. That was actually the words out of my mother-in-law's mouth. She's got stage four cancer. She's like, hey, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Give me the virus. At least that was a Disney World. Oh my God. Now that's an impetus to this whole story <laughs> where it's like, yeah, okay, that's something to put the gas on there, like get the family together for that. Oh, <laughs> I love that, Tim. Thanks so much for talking to us today. You're a yeah, wonderful no energy for this podcast. I'm really glad we got to chat, and you know, I'm really glad that I brought along my uh, travel agent, Dave Ebert, <laughs> who's a Disney expert. <laughs> He's gonna find you on well, Twitter and send you his Rex. <laughs> best of luck with everything you guys are doing too. You guys are awesome. I love following you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tim. And I just want to tell you that you should leave halfway through the fireworks shows so that you beat the traffic out <laughs> to your car. It's worth it. Great piece of information. I'm, I'm very happy to hear all these little tidbits. I might have to message you after this too. <gasps> mm-hmm. Definitely. Timmy, thank you so much. I'm going to follow up with you on and find out how this trip went. So make sure you take some photos for me, okay? Will do. All Thanks, right. Guys. Have a great day. I love them. Wow. He's just like, fuck it. If they're not letting me travel, I can't go. I don't want to have these WebEx meetings. We're going to Disney World. It'd be easy for me to be like, it's irresponsible to go. But then there's also the part of me that's like, I don't know. 
I may be planning a trip to Disney now and I feel conflicted. You, I feel like you were just like, that ignited you and you were like, wow, I'm going to live in Timmy's shoes this oh, week. Oh, no, I'd say, I'd say that my, my knowledge and enthusiasm about Disney is always right there. <laughs> I didn't know this. Oh, it's just Maybe waiting I for knew some. This. You know what it is? I, I came to it as an adult. My my wife uh, showed me Disney, and much like how I came to Cats as an adult, yes. I just showed up and I was like, "This is pretty great." Yep. Yep. Everybody here is happy that I'm here. That's my <laughs> biggest thing is I don't like going places where people are like, ah, "Why are you here?" <laughs> like on vacations and stuff. Like I don't like to go to like small towns where they're like, "We don't like your type," and I want to be like, "Well, yeah. guess what? We're the reason that you can afford to live in this place." So <laughs> maybe be a little nicer to the tourists. Uh, and when you go to Disney, are they just like, "It's a small world no, after"? No, you go to Disney and you start talking to somebody, and they'll be like, "I'm from South Africa." My entire life I dreamed of going to Disney and now I work here and I make people happy every day. Aww. That's what it's like in Disney World. In Disneyland, they're like, I live in Anaheim <laughs> and I needed a job. That's so <laughs> We got that new Star Wars ride. This is all I know about Disney. Right, so you go to Disneyland and they're like chewing gum. They're like, what do you want? And then you go to Disney World and they're just like, my whole life, <laughs> I've worked to be here with the mouse. I love it. My boyfriend's very into Disney. We went to LA and I had a couple meetings and he was like, that's fine. How many days of meetings? Because uh, there's this new Star Wars uh, thing going on and uh, I already bought tickets. And I was like, oh, okay, have fun. He's like, I'll meet you at dinner. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Bummer that you didn't go with him. I'm sorry. I, I was being productive. Um, and I also I honestly was like, that's okay. You can do Disney without me. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, I'm um, sorry I brought this down. We got to wrap this episode up. Dave, you've been a delight. I've had so much fun being here. I think this is so such a fun. great podcast. Thank you. I think you're such a lovely host. Thank you so much. So. I appreciate you. You told me you listened to multiple episodes and he doesn't mm -hmm. listen to any other podcast. No, I said I don't listen to any <laughs> fun podcasts. Oh, right, right, right. I listen to ones that are very dour and about the economy. I gotcha. So this is a nice change So of we're pace. fun, even though it's unemployment. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Uh, where can I, where can people find you? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Horse Divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, please follow me there. Uh, <laughs> it's where I'm my weirdest. Um, also, my website is davidcharlesebert.com. You can go there and you can see all the commercial work and television work I've been in. If you're a person that needs somebody to ideate and write an entire campaign for you or you need somebody to write an entire scripted television show. I was nominated for an Emmy last year. Holy Just shit. FYI. Major. Um, so um, I'm always available. Great. That's it. Great. And you can find me at Anna Roisman or find at Unemployed PDCST. It's podcast without the vowels because that's hip. Uh, also, check out our Patreon. Going to give some uh, you know exclusive bonus stuff there. I've already written an essay this week that was pretty dramatic about how I'm missing HQ. So you can read more of that uh, or see more of that on the Patreon. You know, a couple bucks helps us out. It employs me a little bit because we do this for nothing. Uh Listen to all of the other episodes. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, uh, write a nice review, right? Even if it's just like, hire Anna. I appreciate any kind of feedback. And, uh, and I will see you next time. Bye. Hey. 
Hey, it's Anna, and guess what? I am going to shout out my favorite patrons. Oh, they've donated to the Patreon. You know what? They're getting a special shout out. I got a lot of love right now for Eric Lang, John Ediger, Scott Menke, and Vic. Thank you so much for supporting an unemployed gal with an unemployed podcast. It means the world to me. And hey, guess what? If you want to get a shout out on the show and, you know, all my love, or we have other rewards, we're going to do AMAs. I've got video chats lined up. You can check out all of that at the Patreon, patreon.com slash unemployed with Anna and check it out. Donate a couple bucks and uh, you know what? We'll all be best friends.